I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42 is what we'll be reading this morning. John chapter 1, verse 35. John chapter 1. Did there say amen? amen. Verse 35 says, Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples... Looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek you? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? Where do you live? He said unto them, Come and see. Then came, they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when he beheld him, or when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let us bow in prayer. Father, we're thankful for the text that we have this morning. God, I pray that all that we've said and done this morning has been uh, to your glory and your honor. I pray that you would speak through me today as we look into your word. Lord, help me recall what's been studied and use this again for your honor and glory, that your will may be done. And Father, you know the hearts of each person that's here today. You know the needs that are here. And God, I pray that you can use this message to address all of them. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Back during the gold rush, it's been a few years ago, I guess. But the gold seekers would, or when they would actually find gold, I don't think a whole lot of gold was found by everybody, but when one would actually find gold, some are said to have shouted, Eureka! As soon as they found gold, they would shout out, Eureka! In fact, several towns built during that era are called Eureka. There's a Eureka, California, and some of those other places. There, there's actually some towns called Eureka because of uh, those that came in panning for gold and, and those that would discover it. Uh, the word Eureka actually has its origin in the Greek language from the word Eurisco, which means to find. So, uh, in essence, when they found gold and shouted Eureka, they were exclaiming, I found it, I found some. You know, they were excited about it. Uh, well, I say all that because. In our text, John the Baptist, uh, we see that he once again pointed to Jesus and shouted, Behold the Lamb of God. We see in the verses that we've read that after he said this, two of the disciples that had been following John, they began following Jesus. Uh, We see that Jesus turned back and saw them behind him. They were just walking there behind him. He turned around and he asked, What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, we want to know where you are dwelling. I interpret that as, uh, as Rabbi, we're ready to follow you as disciples. We, we want, we, we're not going to follow John anymore. You are the Lamb of God. We want to know where you're staying so we can go and follow you. Jesus answered with three words. He said, come and see. Amen. After spending some time with Jesus, 
we see that they ran to their family and their friends and they shouted, Eurisco, we found him. We found the Christ. We found the Messiah. We found the Lord. And I want us to look today at exactly who they had found. As we look in these verses, we find that in Jesus, they had found, number one, they had found the Christ. And we see that in verses 40 through 42. Let's go ahead and read those verses once again. It says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. It says that he first finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. Look at verse 42. It says, He brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Uh, you shall be called Cephas, which is uh, by interpretation a stone. Now we find here in these verses that Andrew, who was one of the two disciples that began following Jesus that day, I really believe in my heart that John the Apostle was the other one that uh, was following Jesus. As a matter of fact, you're going to see several references if you, as you read through John. You'll see several references where he'll say the other disciple or he'll, re- he'll refer to some mysterious disciple. And most likely he just didn't want to name himself. He didn't want to bring any attention to himself. And so a lot of times he would refer to him as uh, as the other disciple. Well, we see that two are named here, uh, or two disciples begin following, but only Andrew was named. I believe John, the Apostle John, who wrote this book, uh, was that other disciple. But we see that Andrew, uh, anyway, he, he goes and searches out for his brother Simon. He has found something, he's found someone, and he wants his brother to meet him. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't imagine it was very difficult to find Simon. I mean, the hardest part would just be figuring out what side of the lake he was fishing on, right? But I don't think it was very very hard to find Simon at all. He, I'm sure he went straight to the Sea of Galilee, to, to that lake there, and, uh, and just started looking all around until he could find him. And this was his message to Simon. He said, we have found the Messiah. And it says, or as it's interpreted, the Christ. We call Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah. So in essence, what we're saying is, when we say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. We're saying Jesus the Messiah. That's exactly who he is. And so he ran to his brother uh, Simon, who will later be called Peter. He runs to Simon and he says, Simon, we have found the Messiah. We found the one we've been waiting on all these years. It makes me wonder what went on in that house with Jesus that day. Doesn't it you? I mean, the the last thing that we've seen is these disciples say, Master, where are you dwelling? He says, come and see. And whatever they saw, whatever they heard there in that meeting with Jesus caused them to run from, I believe, South Israel all the way up into Galilee as fast as they could get there and grab whoever they could find, any of their friends and family, and let them know, we have found the Messiah. Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall at that house meeting they had with Jesus that day? What did they see? What did they hear that was so compelling, so convincing, that he would run and say without a doubt, we have found the Messiah. Whatever it was, it sent Andrew running to Galilee so his brother could see it too. Now I want you to look at verse 42. I think this is very interesting. Because of this experience that he had with Jesus... We see that Andrew then in return, what he did is he brought Simon to Jesus. Verse 42, 
it says he brought him to Jesus. Just, just that plain and simple. He brought him to Jesus. Now, isn't that really the plan? Isn't that what, what God wants from all of us when we've experienced what they experienced, when we know the Lord and we found the Lord? Isn't that the whole plan? Is that not the very commission that Jesus would later give to his church? To take what you have seen and what you have heard and go get others bring them to Jesus too. Now, I believe that Peter was probably already a believer at this time, uh, one who had repented of sin, believed the gospel, and had already been baptized by John. But like a good fisherman, uh, when all that was over, he went back to the lake. He went back fishing. Matter of fact, that was kind of his tendency. There were several times Jesus had to go get him from the lake and say, no, we got to come on. we got to go. we got other things to do. And uh, we know that he's going to call him from his nets a little bit later. Uh, Jesus will walk by the Sea of Galilee and call Peter and Andrew out and, uh, and tell them to go ahead and follow him. Uh, later on, uh, whenever Jesus dies and, uh, and is, is resurrected and they're kind of in that waiting period, Peter just says, I'm going fishing, you know, and his friend, everybody else said, well, okay, we'll go fishing too. And uh, Jesus had to go find him out on the lake that time. So it was kind of Peter's habit to just run out to the lake and, and uh, get out there and fish. That's what his profession was, but I believe he really enjoyed doing it. It was a peaceful place for him. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we find here that, uh, that he had to go out and, and uh, of course, pull him off of the water again. Uh, but that, that was the whole plan, uh, was to bring him to Jesus. I ask you this morning, what would happen if you went to your family and friends with the same excitement, with a similar experience, and said, we found him, we have found the Savior, he is real, he has a name. It's not just, hey, do you, have you ever heard of Jesus, or hey, do you go to... Do you go to church? No. Go in with that same excitement that Andrew had and say, we have found the Savior. We found someone. We found something here. And you need to know about it. Now, the truth is, maybe some of you have done that, and most people will think you're, you're crazy if you do that. But some would believe. I think a lot of the witnessing we do, we do haphazardly. We, uh, we go in and we're almost half scared of uh, scaring them off. Andrew wasn't scared. He said, we found something. We found the Christ. You need to come see Him yourself. Now I want you to notice that Andrew didn't just tell him. He didn't just walk up and have a conversation with Peter. It says he took him. He didn't just tell him. He took him. He says he brought him to Jesus. And I picture this out in my mind. I can see this playing uh, like a film here. I can see Andrew grabbing Simon by the arm and yelling, hurry up, come on. You know, put your net down. He's right up the road. And then tugging on his sleeve the whole way. You've got to get to him. You've got to see this for yourself. This, this man is amazing. I can't help but fast forward uh, a little bit to Jesus when he met a woman at the well. And uh, after talking to this woman just for a few minutes, you remember the woman walked, ran right back into town, and she said, "Everybody, you got to come out. You got to see this. I've never heard a man talk like this before. There's something about him. We have found the Messiah." See, when you catch a glimpse of who Jesus is, there's going to be excitement. Always. There's an urgency to get everyone that you know to see it too. And that's what we find in Andrew in these verses. You know, some of us have caught a glimpse. Some of you have been there, haven't you? 
when you first met Jesus or it could even be a few years later when God just encounters you and just says, all right, it's time to stop running. It's time to get serious. And there's a new, fresh encounter with Jesus. And, and, and there's an excitement that comes with that. There is a, an urgency. You've got to get everybody else to see what you've seen and, and to understand and feel and experience what you felt. I, I know most of us, we think back to after we were saved, the most excited we've ever been for Jesus was right after we met him, has it? I mean, we want to tell everybody. I remember I was a kid. I was, I was uh, in really elementary school, and I remember running to everybody, telling everybody I got saved, and I met Jesus, and, and, uh, and I remember some friends from youth rallies. Uh, we, we had a big youth rally thing going on around that time in, in my school, and, and a lot of people I went to school with were in those youth rallies. And I remember some of them getting saved and coming to school, and, man, they were telling everybody about Jesus. They just couldn't stop talking about Him. But somewhere down the road... If we're not careful, that'll dwindle away, won't it? We lose that excitement. It becomes a chore to tell others about Christ. But you see, even then, all we really need is just a fresh encounter with Jesus. It only takes one moment with Him. One experience with Him to stir that fire up once again. We need to pray that God would help us to find that, don't we? that He'd give us a fresh encounter with Him, that we'd have that excitement and that, that desire, that urgency to tell everyone about Christ. I want you to see that when Simon met Jesus, it changed his life. Look at verse 42. It says, He brought him to Jesus. This is what happened. It says, When Jesus beheld him, when He saw him, He said, Simon, son of Jonah, He knew his daddy's name too. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, Thou shalt be called Cephas. Your dad gave you the name Simon. He says, I'm going to give you the name Cephas. He had the authority to do that. I'm going to call you Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. We have another form of that word, which is called Petros or Peter. And that's how we know Peter from now on. So Cephas, Peter means the same thing. It means a stone, a rock. I believe Jesus saw something in Peter's character, something about his demeanor, something about uh, who he was, and he renamed him. He changed his name from Simon to Rock, Peter. They had found the Messiah. The second thing I want us to see is that they had found the prophet. And we see that in verses 43 through 49. Read on there with me. It says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. So he's been down in South Israel, and he's got to go up into Galilee. And it says when he does it, he finds Philip and says unto him, Follow me. Now I think we have another similar situation where Philip has probably heard the preaching of John, has already been baptized, but is not down there with John anymore. He's going back home. And Jesus knows about him. And so he goes up. And he seeks him out specifically. He finds Philip and he says what? He says, follow me. Alright, so Philip begins following him. It says, now Philip was of Bethesda, or Bethsaida, excuse me, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter, which is just by Capernaum. And Philip finds Nathanael and says to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Sounds something like Jesus. what Jesus said earlier, doesn't it? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. See for yourself. Verse 47 says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him 
and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile or deceit. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knoweth thou me? Or how do you know, Jesus? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called thee, when you were under the fig tree, I saw thee, or I saw you. I want us to look at these verses. There are some interesting things here. Up to this point, uh, John, is the, the writer here, has slipped in several Old Testament references. And here he speaks about one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. Uh, the Lord told Moses way back in the book of Deuteronomy that he would raise up a prophet that would come and teach the people all of his commands. Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied of one who would have the government upon his shoulder, who would be the wonderful counselor, the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Y'all remember those prophecies? Our text here says that Jesus went up to Galilee and sought out a man named Philip. And Philip's reaction was the same as Andrew's. He ran to his, uh, his friend Nathaniel or his brother Nathaniel, whoever it was to him. And he says, we have found him. We have found the very one that Moses and the prophets were writing about. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. That makes me think there may have even been some familiarity with Joseph and the family of Jesus. That maybe all along they had met him back and forth. It wasn't that far around. That, that wasn't a big area. These were small towns. The son of Joseph. This, it's been him all along. And Nathaniel asked the question. He said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? That would be like us asking, can any good thing come from Florida State? Right? There's got to be something wrong here. There's no way he came from Nazareth. Nazareth? Really? Are you sure? Philip used the words of Jesus. He says, just, just come and see. You'll see when you, when you meet him. So in 47, Nathaniel went to meet him. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming down the road. And he, said, he said, behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. The word guile means deceit. Deceitfulness. Jesus was speaking of Nathaniel's character, and I like I like what Nathaniel said. Nathaniel didn't argue. He he received that compliment, didn't he? He's like, How'd you know? You must really know me, Jesus. Jesus said, verse 48, he says, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip ever even got to you. Now, how could he have done that? Well, he was the son of God. Look at what Nathaniel said in verse 49. He said, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. It didn't take much for him to believe, did it? Now, I want you to notice something here. If you remember Philip, when he went to Nathaniel, he said, we found him. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of who? Joseph, Right? He said, he's the son of Joseph. When Nathanael met him, though, and Jesus said, listen, you were sitting under the fig tree. I saw you there before Philip even got to you. I saw you under the fig tree. And when he heard this, when he, he, he understood that Jesus had perceived where he was and what he was doing without even being in that area, he said, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Both references Going back to Him being the Messiah. The Christ. You are the Christ. 
Before we leave this verses, I want to point something else out just very quickly though. Something very interesting about Jesus' words to Nathaniel. He called him an Israelite in whom was no guile. And I, I believe he was saying something more than just you're, you're an Israelite without deceit. He says you're an Israelite without guile or without deceit. Now the word Israelite means a descendant of Israel. And Israel, we know today, is, is a nation, but Israel was a man. That's who it was originally. Israel was a man. They're called the children of Israel. And Israel had a name before his name was Israel. Anybody remember what his name was before? His name was Jacob, right? And in the book of Genesis, uh, God had a meeting with Jacob. He wrestled with him all night long. And after he was done, uh, he says, I'm going to give you the name Israel instead. I'm changing your name to Israel. Isn't it interesting that uh, we find that Jesus would often change people's names? Uh, he would say, you've been called this, but now you're going to be called this. And I think if we understood who it was that had wrestled with Jacob all night long and who it was that said, you'll now be called Israel, I think it would make this make a whole lot more sense, wouldn't it? By the way, I believe that was Jesus. Wrestled with him all night long. He says, you'll be called Israel. means one that wrestles with God. Now, what do we know about Jacob? We know Israel's name was Jacob. The word Jacob, the name Jacob means deceiver. means heel grabber, one that trips other people up. And that's exactly who Jacob was. Jacob was a deceitful person. If you'll ever go back and read some of his life and what he did, if you know how he got his birthright and his blessing and all those different things, it's amazing how, uh, how deceitful and, and, uh, and how much guile that Jacob had. But Jesus looked at Nathaniel here and he said, Look, you are a descendant of Israel who has no deceit or no guile within him. Which all this does is set us up for the very next thought. And so we're going to move on to the next thing that they had found. They, they not only found the Christ, the Messiah, they not only found uh, the Son of God, and all, but they had found the greatest. We see this in verses 50 through 51. I was thinking about this. Uh, Jesus says in verse 50, He says, you know, he was, Nathaniel was convinced because He said, I saw you under a fig tree. And Jesus was like, because I said you were under a fig tree? He says, no, no, no. You're going to see much greater things than this, Nathaniel. You just wait. You're going to see all kinds of stuff. But I was thinking about that. He says you'll see greater things. And I, I think what he's, he's showing is his own greatness. That there are going to be some greater things that he would do and that he would open their eyes to greater things. And I was just thinking about uh, Muhammad Ali. I don't know why this popped in my head, but anybody ever, some of you ever watch Muhammad Ali's fights? Well, well you don't even have to watch his fights. You ever seen a news press? <laughs> and Muhammad Ali was famous for saying, I'm the greatest. I'm the gre- I wrestled with an alligator. I hospitalized a stone and all, the, you know, all this other stuff he would say. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. He obviously never met Jesus, did he? Jesus was the greatest. Listen, Jesus was the greatest man that's ever lived. We find in John chapter 8, verse 53, that he's greater than Abraham. We find in John 1.17, he's greater than Moses. And in John 4.12, the lady at the well asked him, Are you greater than our father Jacob who found this well? He said, Well, if you knew who you were asking, I would give you living water. 
is greater than Jacob. You see, there's a difference between Jesus calling himself great and Muhammad Ali calling himself great. And the difference is Jesus could back it up. We'll find here that Jesus makes another statement about his greatness in verse 50. It says, Jesus answered said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under a fig tree, believest thou? You believe because I said that? He says, You shall, you shall see greater things than these. But before we get there, before we get to these greater things and what they are, I want to remind you of another story of Jacob. Jesus just keeps bringing Jacob up and, and putting references in here to Jacob. And I want to remind you of Jacob in the Old Testament. He stopped at a place. His first real encounter with God was not when he got his name changed. That was later on. But his first real encounter with God was at a place excuse me, called Bethel, Bethel, where he met God. Now, that night, if you remember, Jacob dreamed a dream, and he saw angels in this dream ascending and descending upon a ladder. Y'all remember that? We call it Jacob's Ladder. And there's a lot of things that we, there's some songs of different things about Jacob's life. But, but he saw a ladder that was going from heaven to earth and angels were uh, coming down and going up upon this ladder. And then in this dream, he looked up at the top of the ladder and God was standing there and he made a covenant with Jacob and spoke to him through this dream. And then the next morning he woke up and he said, surely I was in the presence of God and I knew it not. But I want to talk about this for just a second because Jesus makes an interesting statement here. You see, this ladder that Jacob saw represented a link between heaven and earth. He saw beyond the physical here on earth and he saw a portal or a way, a gate into the heavens. And in this dream, it was in the form of this ladder where spiritual beings were coming down to the physical and they were going back up. There was, there was a way, there was a link, a bridge from heaven to earth. Now I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He says in verse 50, He says, You shall see greater things than these. And look at verse 51. And He said unto him, Verily, verily. That means He's about to teach something important here. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see what? Heaven open, and the angels of God doing what? Ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I want you to notice something important here. He didn't say, I don't think this is talking about angels coming down and ministering to Jesus or, or do. I think he says something else here. He didn't say they were coming down, ascending and descending to the Son of Man. What did he say? He said they will be ascending and descending. Upon the Son of Man. Now, who is the Son of Man? Jesus. It's another another reference to the Christ, to the Messiah. He says they'll be ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What a beautiful picture! You see, Jacob saw a ladder in a dream, upon which angels were ascending and descending. But Nathaniel saw the Son of Man who is the only way to heaven. Job said something very interesting one time. He said, we have no days, man. We have no inter intermediate, so no mediator 
who could stand between us and God and touch both heaven and earth. But Jacob saw a ladder that could. Jacob saw a way to get from heaven to earth or from earth to heaven. He saw that and Jesus said, here's what I want you to understand. This is what Jesus was saying about himself. He's saying, I am the way. Jesus came here for one important purpose. And that was to make a way for people on earth to be able to go to a place called heaven. He stands between God and man. He stands between heaven and earth as the bridge, the ladder, the way, the only way to the Father. Jesus said, you're going to see much greater things than these. You're going to see me become the way to the Father. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is the Messiah. And He is the prophet. And He is the Son of God. And He is the King of Israel. But I want you to know as well that He is the Savior who makes the way for sinful people to be forgiven and at peace with the Heavenly Father. You may, ask, you may be asking this morning, can He really do all that? You may be like Nathaniel. Can, can, can He really do this? Is He really who you say He is? Can He really do all that? Is He who you claim Him to be? And, and the more important question is, if He can, can He do that for me? Can He become the way for me? Can He become the Savior that can make forgiveness for my sins? Can He be all that in my life? And the only thing I can say back to you is this. Come and see. And I promise that what you'll find is a Jesus who is just as powerful, who is just as amazing, just as majestic as we've always said He is. That's who I found when I came and saw. And I know that's who you'll find if you'll come and see. I want us to stand this morning and we'll have a verse play and we'll give everyone some time to just reflect, to look within their own hearts. As the song plays, his heads are bowed. I want to say this morning, if you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to know that He is the only way to the Father. He came to be the Savior, not only of the Jews, but of the world. That includes you. Includes all who will believe. And I want you to know that salvation is taken care of. It is available to each and every person this morning. But I also want to say that the people we see that were running and bringing up, all these, I believe, were already believers. They just needed a closer glimpse of the Savior. They needed a closer walk with Christ. They had eternal life, but they were having a problem understanding how to live that out here. The only thing I know how to do, I can counsel with you, I can talk to you, I can pray for you, I can do all kinds of things. But the only long-lasting thing I know to do is to take you to Jesus. 
because he has what you need. He fills the voids. He straightens the paths. He makes the hard times bearable. And he can be that for you this morning. As our heads are bowed, as our eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to stop and pray. Go to the Lord and seek His strength. And I also want to open up, if anybody would like me just to pray with them this morning, you're just struggling with that, and you want me to pray with you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just just come up and let me know, and I'd be glad just to bow right here and pray with you this morning. But whatever your need is, God's spoken to your heart today. I pray you'll respond.